We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ Hybe and on Facebook. This week's guest is Corey Nichols. Corey is the co-CEO of Yes Life Companies and operates Yes Life Financial, a non-traditional financial coaching firm that offers one-on-one advice in a subscription format for just $25 a month. Corey is the go-to for just about everything. Retirement planning, check. Student loan questions, got it. Building a deck, he's done that too. Corey brings an MBA, Fortune 500 experience, and small business executive experience with him. Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. I am excited too. Lots of good conversation is going to be had. And who doesn't want to hear some good financial input, right? Uh, most people don't want to hear good financial <laughs> <laughs> Any little tips and tricks are always welcome. I think that's true, but uh, it, it can be a tough conversation sometimes. So I, uh, I agree. I agree. I've got a couple of questions here that um, hopefully bring some nice positive insights to our listeners. There you go. I think so. <laughs> the first one, what is it that I should look for in a financial advisor? Oh, yeah. So this is one of those things where... I think most people start with like, should I work with a financial advisor? And I would generally say that the market has not been great. And when I say the market, I mean the market of financial advisors to work with people who don't yet have wealth or are not high income earners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really the challenge that we exist. And that's really the reason I started my business. But at the end of the day, when you're really working with a financial advisor, whether you're established, or you're not established, I always tell people you want to be clear about where compensation comes from. Financial service is one of those odd ones to me. It's kind of like healthcare. We don't necessarily know what we pay for it. And for whatever reason, we're kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so I think as we've seen more technology and more information on the internet, people are becoming more and more aware of what they're paying for and why they're paying for things. Uh, And so I think be clear and don't be afraid to ask the question of your advisor. How do you get paid? Where does it come from? Um, Is that in my best interest? I think that's always a great place to start when uh, finding a financial advisor. And also, you know, it's a a big trust relationship. And so if you don't have the trust about where they're getting paid and being honest with each other, it's probably not going to work out anyway. Yeah, that's good. And I I agree with that. I think there's, um, it's really uncertain as to where your your the compensation is going, how they're how they're getting paid. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of different ways that's structured, and it can be really confusing. And sometimes it's not always in the best um, interest of you. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's so it's um it's really good to understand that. And I think that if your financial advisor is going to be transparent in that, you're starting to build that trust in that relationship sooner on as well. Yeah. I had a client recently who was coming from another financial advisor and they said, we kept calling and asking what the fees were. And when they spoke like in circles, we kind of felt like that meant that there was something there they didn't want us to know. Yeah. And I, you know, like when I looked at it, there really wasn't anything there that they 
uh, were like missing, like it, they weren't being misled, but at the end of the day, they weren't doing a good job of communicating clearly. And so it made the person feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I think as financial advisors, like people in my space should just be honest with people, right. Totally. Up front, here's, here's what I get paid. I think I know what I'm worth. It's worth it to you to pay for this. Right. And move on. But it's just, I don't like, it's one of the reasons I don't like my field is like, there is a little bit of like, (laughs) you know, just, it's kind of icky. It feels a little salesy. You feel like one person's winning and the other person's losing. And it just doesn't have to be that way. Totally. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, So I got another fun question for you. What is the best way to ensure that I stick to my budget? Well, first get rid of your budget. Uh, I know that sounds odd, right? It's like financial advisors, budgeting should be like the, the, the number one item. And and look, I do think that the number one thing you need to do is spend less than you make. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we've kind of got stuck as a society is saying, I want to create a budget and that's the starting point of financial success. And the issue with budgeting for most people is they only include the big items, right? So they only go like, oh, I've got my housing and I've got my car and I've got gas and I've got groceries, even though some people end up leaving out food for themselves as if they're going to go a month without eating. Um, But they just seem to leave out the big stuff. They never consider the fact that it's always somebody's birthday or it's a holiday or they've, you know, something's going to break in the car or the house or a medical bill. And so what I encourage people to do is actually look backwards, do an expense tracker and say, Hey, look, if I'm going to start fresh today, what do I spend on average every month? And let me do that by looking at the past three months worth of expenses. And because of credit cards and debit cards and all this electronic record keeping, it's pretty easy for most of us to download all of that and be able to look at what we actually spend. And I also think it helps people have a little bit more of like a personal realization about where they spend too much money, as opposed (laughs) to having somebody else kind of say like, hey, you need to budget less. And then they end up justifying like, oh, it's only $5 at Starbucks today. They go like, oh, I spent $180 per month over the past three months at Starbucks. That doesn't feel very good. I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more productive to, you know, review what you've spent and it helps you kind of have that realization about what is important to you, what's not important to you and where you think you can save some money. Yeah, I I like that approach. Um, I agree with it a ton. Everything that you've said, I mean, when you are making a budget, it's really hard to account for those the $5 spar- Starbucks, you know, I don't think most people would put that in their budget. <laughs> right. Um, and then in the day to day, they just justify it. Cause I mean, look, it's $5. It's not mm-hmm. like that one $5 transaction is going to change your financial life, but you end up having a lot of those over the course of 30 days. And before you know it, you're spending a lot more money than you probably need to, or should be. Totally. Yeah. My husband totally called me out on <laughs> a very similar scenario, <laughs> not necessarily Starbucks. There's this cool little shop that opened up in our building that has amazing like waffles and sandwiches. And, and, um, I, I frequented it very often right when they opened and, and he called me out on that. <laughs> well, it sounds like you are well ahead of a lot of people because a a couple that has a healthy conversation about money is uh, is quite the rarity from my experience. Well, it's it's a tough conversation to have, and I think if you get in ahead of it, yeah, um, or just being open and honest, like we talked about, re- regard with your financial advisor, even I mean your your significant other, you should definitely be having these conversations before. Absolutely. That's probably one of the biggest stressors in relationships. Yep. And even if it's not a good situation, you still got to talk about it. Yeah. 
I would say that I some I, I more frequently than I care to acknowledge feel like a counselor. Yeah, you get a couple in here. They're like, we kind of have different philosophies about money, and it's like, oh, welcome to the world. Everybody else has the same same problem. Yep. So. Um, all right, so not the best topic here, but what should I do to prepare for a possible recession? Oh, so this is one of those ones where it's my my opinion is less is more, mm-hmm. right? So if you're doing the right stuff and is assuming that you're not, you know, two years out from retirement, the answer is really you should do nothing. Right. Um, I think everybody lives in this world of fear from a recession. And I think there's a lot of fear being sold in my industry right now. But the reality is, hey, recession's probably coming. It's not really a matter of if it's just a matter of when. But that doesn't mean that you need to be doing anything else, anything different. If you've got your emergency fund, you know, you're good there. If you've got your you know retirement set up and it's invested appropriately, don't change anything. Um, it's really stay the course. And I think that's the important aspect of of having a financial advisor is if we do have a recession, it can feel a little bit scary. And you may say I should change something. And when people change things out of fear, that's often when they make a mistake. And so, um, you know, my biggest thing is when people are selling you fear, um, they're looking for a way to sell you. The, the, the reality is you probably don't need to be worried. You just need to stay the course. Now, if you're out there and you're two years away from retirement, that's a different conversation. And you should definitely be spending some uh, quality time with your financial advisor right now, figuring out a game plan. Yeah, great advice. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I mean, no one should live in fear. We don't know what the future is going to hold. Everyone can make assumptions and predictions, but (laughs) you're going to stress yourself out. And and great advice. I think that's really good. I, I live in fear in other areas of my life. It's not, I'm, I'm a parent, right? So there's a certain amount of fear that lives in my life and it's, totally it's not productive there that. either. <laughs> totally understand that. Oh, great. Okay. Um, so speaking of fear, um, networking is a word that tends to evoke fear in individuals. Yep. And my goal with this podcast is to help eliminate that fear So can you share with our listeners your most successful or one of your favorite networking experiences that you've had? Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually got two, one that's relatively recent, one that's quite a bit older. And interestingly, I think for the podcast, one of them is what I would consider like a traditional networking. So it's a in-person, you know, handshaking business card transaction. The other one is a social uh, social media networking, um, both very productive, uh, but at the same time, obviously quite a bit different. Mm-hmm. So the first one, the, the in-person, when I was in, uh, get my MBA, so this is like 2008 or nine, um, great, great economy, by the way, for the recession conversation. Oh, that's when I was getting mine. <laughs> you know, yeah. My, my whole idea was like, I'm going to stay in school. The recession's here and I'll wait it out. And it didn't get a whole lot better while I was in graduate school. Um, <laughs> But I, I met an individual who owned a business, um, gave him a tour of the campus I was on, uh, you know, a relatively casual conversation, but ended with, you know, here's my card and kind of, you know, that was it. We walked our separate ways. I think I saw him like once or twice the rest of the semester. But other than that, we didn't really interact at all. Nothing, you know, to write home about, so to say. And then I graduated from school went to, to work um, for a large, uh, Boeing was the company I went to work for at the time. And uh, in one day, like two years later, I got a phone call from this business owner and he said, I'm looking for somebody to run a, a branch of my business. I'd like to hire you. Will you relocate back to Richmond? 
and that's where I'm from now. So I was living out of town and he said, well, you come back. And um, so it was just as simple as, you know, making a good first impression, handing him the business card. So he had contact when the, came, when the time came. Um, and really one of the lessons that, uh, you know, I wish I was better at, right. This one kind of, I lucked out, but I did not do a good job of staying in contact with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't nurturing the relationship and maybe that's, you know, it's good that I made a good first impression because that's all he had to go off of. Um, you know, but it, it is about making sure that you are putting yourself in as many situations like that as possible because, you know, those are really how you make it happen. Sometimes it's the quality of the relationship. Sometimes you get a little lucky because you've just done enough of it. Um, so that's the in-person one. The digital one, which just happened here recently, um, I got sh- a share on social media from somebody who lives in Florida who shouted me out to her network. And one of her followers lives right down the street from me and had been looking for a new financial advisor. Um, and so I met with them. And this is a high net worth individual who is in need of a specialized type of service. Um, and I'm not sure we would have met otherwise, but just through social sharing and kind of the small world that even though this person was in Florida that we connected with, or through. Um, I was in Richmond. And so they were able to come in and meet in person. It's just crazy how these things happen. Um, and so it's just a matter of putting yourself out there time and time and time and time again. Oh, those are both great stories. I love that you kind of took a traditional and a, a digital one. The traditional one, I think, is so impactful to have that really solid first impression because you yeah. never know who's who's paying attention, right? Right. So you always have to put your best foot forward. And, and second, I love this social, social media share. I think that's fantastic. I mean, you, you obviously had an advocate, someone who's pushing your name out there and saying, Hey guys, this person's awesome. Check them out. Um, and the person that did the share had, uh, some trusted, uh, network that, um, that moved forward and, and was a huge opportunity for you. It sounds like, so that's amazing. Thanks for sharing both of those. Yeah. Very, very cool experiences. So, you know, by the way, we have the other side of those weeks, right, Lori, where it's like, you feel like you're doing all the right thing and nobody, you know, it's crickets. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm like one of the biggest things for me is like, you know, making sure that I have as real of a, like uh, of a portrayal on the digital world as I do, if you were to meet me in person. And so, you know, look, I have plenty of weeks where nothing happens, right? It feels like crickets, mm-hmm. uh, but you try to really capture those moments when you do have something good happened. Um, and it's a reminder to keep, you know, keep the grind going. Totally. So um, I'm going to ask you a question that you just totally called yourself out on not Uh-oh. doing well. <laughs> but how, how, yeah. How do you stay in front of or nurture your network in your community? Yeah. So I think this has changed a lot for me here in the last couple of years as social media has become more, you know, prevalent and even, you know, it used to be, you know, if I went back to when I first graduated from school, a lot of my network from a more professional sense, wasn't on social media. Mm-hmm. And now with LinkedIn and even with, you know, other, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, um, you know, that network is more, uh, active on there. And so as a result, you can do a certain amount of nurturing and just staying top of mind by constantly engaging with them on social. So it might be as simple as a like or a comment, um, on some of their posts. And then I I've made a much more, conscious effort to identify strategic people inside my network and really make an effort to actually spend one hour with them, maybe once a quarter, 
right? And there's other people who we, you know, are, are in my network. They're probably not that strong of connections, but we'll, you know, touch base here or there. But then when those people that I really feel like are strategic members of my network, making sure that I'm having some sort of interaction with them on some level of regularity. Um, and I think that's a change for me. And it's the change because, you know, that gentleman who I had met, who had then recruited me to brought me down here to go back to work, eventually that same company that had recruited me to come to Richmond ended up firing me. Um, and I was back on the street looking for new work. And my network at that time was not as nurtured as it needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you learn lessons kind of two ways, right? You can emulate what you've done well and what you've seen success with, and you can learn from lessons where you didn't do what you should have done. Um, and so I, I got like a little bit of the wake up call that the, the network was not as warmed up and nurtured as I probably should have had it when I was in need of a job search. And so, um, you know, it made an emphasis that going forward, something needed to change on that front. I need to be more in front of those people regularly. Yes, I, I think that is important. So uh, I'm going to ask a question that kind of circles back to the one, um, your story about the share on the social media. So yep. was that individual part of your strategic member of your network? Um, she was not. Nope. The social media share was not one of the strategic members because really the strategic members are more, um, you know, I was thinking of them as more local where I'm meeting with them for coffee and, um, she was a client of mine. So that mm -hmm. gave her some level of interest in what I was doing and she okay. had seen what I was doing. So I think that more created the opportunity for her to share. Um, but yeah, she wasn't one of those, what I would refer to as a strategic, like I was actively pursuing, you know, being engaged with her. Sure. You might want to reconsider that now though. <laughs> yeah, well, so we've actually, since then, I mean, it's really turned into actually a good partnership. So she's got a, she's got a much larger social following than I do. She's got mm -hmm. about 230,000 followers on Instagram. So she's got quite the following there. And you know, her whole niche is, is physical fitness, but she's through working with me, she started to kind of realize how important financial fitness is as well. And so sure. she, started to kind of overlap some of those. And, um, we've been able to do some great, um, great work together. Now, unfortunately right now, I'm not able to promote her as much as I would like because my following is not there, sure. uh, but we do everything we can to try to, um, to shout her out. When I say we, I mean, my wife and I, cause we, I said, I'm the co-CEO and she's the other co-CEO and we work together. And, um, so we do everything we can. If you know, we we believe in small businesses, we want to support small businesses. So anytime we can promote somebody, we want to do that as much as possible. Awesome, cool, Corey. What advice would you offer that business professional who's looking to grow their network? Yeah. So this is you know I'm I'm naturally an introvert, um, which most people don't think of. Or like if I had an interaction, they go like, Yeah, you're probably not an introvert. But at the end of the day you know, I get home and my wife, who's the extrovert, who spends a lot more time at home with our kids, she'd be like, let's talk. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I'm done. I need to recharge. And I think the important part about it is you got to get out there and, and like be authentic and just do it a lot. And so, and that's hard work. Like I, I think some people just think like, oh, networking comes natural to some people and maybe it doesn't come natural to me. And I don't know anybody who networking comes a hundred percent natural to them. Like they may be good at it. Um, 
but that doesn't mean it just came naturally. Like it's probably just that they put themselves in a position to do it enough times and they put their foot in their mouth a couple of times and they go like, Oh, I'm not going to do that again. And eventually they just get better at it. And so, you know, like anything, um, you know, there's kind of this art and the science of it, right? The art will get better the more you practice the science. So it's, it's force yourself out of your comfort zone, um, and whether that means going to events where, you know, nobody, and you got to make a friend initially, or, um, you know, signing up for a group, whatever it is. And then the other thing is just be authentic. And I know that's like so much easier said than done. Um, but I, I, I still go back to by the college that I went to my old mater and I do some work there and I just tell students, you know, if you're fake, in like an interview and then you end up getting the job. Now you got to keep the, you got to keep the charade up because that's the person they hired. Whereas if you're just authentic up front, at least they know what they're getting. And so I'm always an advocate for trying as hard as possible to find out as early in life as you can, who the, the real you is, and then share that, that person with as many people as possible. That That's great. I love the, breaking it into the art and the science of it. I think there's so much truth to that. And I really like how you said um, that the art will get better the more that you practice the science of it. Really, really profound. Yeah. So that's something that I struggle with regularly, by the way, not just in networking, but in a lot of areas in life. Sure. Um, You know, and I think there's always like the, you know, I have a little bit of perfectionist tendencies. And so the desire is I'm not going to put something out into the world until I've perfected it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, what's that saying? Perfection is the enemy of good, or something like something that. Something along those lines. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Perfection is the enemy of progress. I think is what I always say. Oh yeah, I it's can... like you just gotta make you like you just make progress, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I forget who it was. Like somebody said to me the other day, they go, "The first time you put something out, you'll go like, I'm really proud of that thing." And then like a year later, if you keep doing it, you look back and you go, that thing I put out a year ago was total crap, right? And like, if you just keep doing this every year, you should look back, right? I mean, I don't know if this is true for you, Lori, but if you look back, I mean, you've been doing social capital for years now. If you look mm-hmm. back and you go like, God, I was not good on, in front of a microphone at one time, right? And every every year you get better and better and better because you've just done it more. Uh-huh. Oh, there's so. so much truth to that. Oh, yeah. When I'm chatting with people and educating them on starting their podcast, they go, go listen to my first couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you want a really good laugh. <laughs> right. But yeah. that's the, you, you got out and you practiced the science and the yeah. art's gotten a lot better as a result. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I mean, it's everything in life is all it takes practice yep. you know unless you're a natural born athlete or you know just you have some natural skill but for the most part the majority of us are not blessed with that and <laughs> yeah. you just got to put in the time and the energy uh to, to get better yep. yeah there's no, there's no shame in my game i am as average as they get <laughs> great so just about showing up and doing it over and over again hopefully getting better at something mm-hmm all right. So Corey, digital networking or traditional networking, which would you find more value in? When you sent me the questions and I reviewed them, this was the one question I was like, this is a hard one for me. <laughs> um, I think if you'd asked me like 24 months ago, I probably would have said traditional in person, shaking hands, you know, that type of marketing um, or not marketing, networking, sorry. But I have been like recently, I have really uh, I focused my attention from a business perspective on social media networking. And I really think I've like started to see just how powerful it is. Um, 
And so I don't know, like, I mean, of course there's a balance between both of them, but I think if I was like forced to put a vote into one category, uh, I think I would like put on my, like, you know, 10 years in the future hat and I'd say, I, I have to go digital. Um, because I think the power of it is just going to be astronomical going forward. Um, I hope I never lose the ability to shake a hand and uh, connect with a person one-on-one or in person or face-to-face, but the, the power of, of digital is just, it's just too big to ignore. Well, and you, you shared that story right away. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's so much truth to that. I mean, the, the face-to-face is, is so important um, and it has a different type and style of relationship and trust. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's so much power behind digital and, and that's only growing. Like you said, yep. I mean, if you think looking in the future, you can't predict what's going to happen, but yep. you just have this gut feeling that says it's going to be more and more important than it is today. Yeah. I and mean, we just see this in our business, you know, I mean, people who, you know, you get the trust the same way that you would get the trust from, you know, a, uh, somebody who facilitated an introduction during like, a, you know, you had coffee with somebody and they were like, oh, I want to introduce you to, you know, John Smith. And they do that introduction. And the amount of trust there that comes from that, that, you know, referral or introduction. And the same thing happens on, on social, but it can happen thousands or tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of interactions at a time. And so when you just go like, oh, the, the power of that is just, it's, it's unbelievable. Totally. All right, Corey, if you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Yeah, this one's easy. I, w- I would tell myself to take a lot more risk. Um, I, 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 you know, came from a relatively conservative family. My father worked for the same company for 35 years. My mother was a stay-at-home uh, mom. She, you know, my pa- parents just didn't take a lot of risk. And, um, you know, I was kind of raised to think that, hey, you go the corporate route, you get your nine to five, you make your 401k and you make your contributions. And, f- you know, 40 years later, you're able to, you know, hang it up and enjoy the good life. Um, and, I, and I went that route. I went that route for about eight years. And um, I think I, I think I mentioned earlier on that I was terminated from a job and um, I think it was June of 2016. And, uh, and at that point I had a, a 15 month old son and my wife was like five months pregnant with our second son. And she was a stay at home mom at that point. So we were kind of like, Oh man, we have gotten ourselves in quite the pinch. And, uh, and it was, for, it was fortunate that I had done some of the, we had done some of the right stuff from a financial perspective. And that's what drove me down the path of going in on the entrepreneurial route and going into finance. But it's a lot easier before you have kids and you have responsibilities than it is when you have kids and you have responsibilities. And so while I wouldn't change anything now, I'm glad that the things happened the way they did. And, um, you know, I'm happy where we are now. I definitely would have taken more risk when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I hear that from a lot of guests, which is really interesting. And I hope that the younger listeners on the show or the, the 20 year old listeners are taking this advice and, and moving forward with it. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, if I talk to a 20 year old and they're like, should I, or shouldn't I, I'm like, what are your responsibilities? Like if you screw everything up with whatever, you know, short of like skydiving being the risk. Right. (laughs) And like, I want to go skydiving. So like, I'm not saying that that's dumb, but like, it's like, if it's a professional risk, it's not like the outcome is like failure for your entire career. Like, 
you're like 23. Like you're probably not going to go, but so far into debt. And like, you at least took a shot at what your dream was. <laughs> Whereas like, I mean, that gets harder and harder, the more, you know, you get golden handcuffs and you mm-hmm. have a family and you know, those things all play out. And it's just like, I, I can't walk away from that now. Yep. Totally. So. Yep. Good. Okay. So we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Now who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you could do it within the sixth degree? Yeah. So I, I love this question because I think there's like something so deep and like insightful about it, which is like the six degrees of separation. I'm like, how strong is the six degrees? Cause obviously I don't know if I can get in front of this person. So I'm sure we all set lofty goals. So I think, um, it, you know, you'd ask me like whatever, 10 years ago, it definitely would have been Steve jobs. Um, because that is like one of my role models. Um, or idols, whatever you would say. And, uh, so I definitely would have been Steve jobs now, uh, and life changed a little bit. Um, I don't even know his name. I think his name is like Jeff Higby or something like that. But anyway, he's the chairman of Augusta national. I'm a golfer. That is like the dream place to play. My father's had it on. It's like the only thing I know to be on my father's bucket list. And so like, I have actually have like on my list, like I got to get myself and my father to be able to play Augusta national golf course, um, whatever it takes. So if it's just six degrees, uh, then yes, uh, I would, I should be running for it like tomorrow and find a way to get, uh, get the old man and myself on Augusta national to play around a golf. So what are the steps you're going to take to get there? Cause I'm sure you can do it. Yeah. So I, I started this process after I read your questions, I'm like, all right, now I got to get to work. So here's what I found (laughs) out. So this guy, right. I should definitely know his name, by the way, that's probably number one, Lori, is I should know his name. I would agree with (laughs) that. So let's see. Step number one is know his name, but I know more about his, about his, like his story than anything else. So he was an amateur golfer and he won like the U S amateur, which is like the top tournament for an amateur golfer. And he won it at the country club of Virginia right here in my hometown of Richmond. And so it's like, ah, like if he won the U S amateur there now, granted this was like in like the seventies that he won the tournament, but it's like, he should have some level of connection to Richmond. And so figure out what the connection is. If he works, you know, if he is on the board for the country club of Virginia, if he does any work there, if he's been back to play, I know people who are members there. So it's like, okay, like there's gotta be some sort of connection to get into, you know, the office of like people who work there and maybe the board of directors there. And then if they can get the connection. So that's one of them. I also know I have a friend who was on the LPGA tour. So that's definitely like a start, Mm -hmm. a starting path. Um, I've got a friend who runs the first tee, which is a golf organization. I actually just met somebody this morning, Lori, uh, who well, I've known him for a while, but I just had coffee with him this morning. One of those people that I'm nurturing the, the network. Mm-hmm. And he just took a, uh, a career change to go uh, be in charge of the Virginia state golf association. So not that Augusta's in Virginia, but uh, you know, there's all these golf associations. So there's, there's a lot of connections there. Uh I think the the message I'm getting from you is like, if I don't make it a priority and try to like, at least nurture it slowly, but surely I'll wake up and my father will be like 80 and I won't be able to get it done in time. Yeah. So you need to start taking these steps <laughs> right now. And then I would love for you to report back and 
let us know about your golfing experience at Augusta National. <laughs> All right. Lori has inspired me right here today to I go start it. the path to uh, to get my old man and myself on Augusta National. That's my poor brother will be annoyed. So I guess I got to find one person that could take three guests on because that's the only way uh, my father will be happiest if both of his boys are with him. Sure, of course. All right, so I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and give you the opportunity to interview me. What is something that you should ask me? So, Lori, what is the origin story of Social Capital? Oh, let's see. So, I um, was asked by a colleague of mine who has um, close, I think he's at a thousand interview uh, episodes now, um, for me to be on his podcast when he started. And I was very nervous and I didn't want to do it. I kept saying no. And he kept poking me and saying, yes, do it. Just do it. Um, I finally did it. And then I realized it was super fun. <laughs> and I wanted to do it more and more. So I just decided to start my own show. And then it's OK, what am I going to do a show on? And what is the topic and what is the purpose? You know, there's all these questions. Uh-huh. The marketing professional, too. You know, how do I? How do I maximize um, my message, my reach, yep. uh, and leverage my network? And then when I started going down that path, I'm like, oh, network. You know, I, I tend to be positioned as kind of a hub in that hub and spoke okay. um, approach of, you yeah, know, yeah. a lot of people come to me and say, hey, do you know anyone that does this? And I'm really good at that. I'm like, there it is. There's a common theme in the business space uh, is networking. And I love it. It's so fun. Uh, easy to talk about and basically anyone in business uh, has to do networking. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. If they don't do it, they're not going to be in business for long, probably. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Um, And it's a fun topic and um, there is a art to it and a science to it. And, and I, I kind of position myself as a, a middle brained individual and I have a good balance of, you know, the creativity and then the logic and, and yeah, so there you go. That's awesome. Do I get another question? Sure. Yes. Uh, so are you a parent? Uh, to fur babies. Okay. So maybe you know this though, because of all the people you've interviewed. So how do you balance networking with kids activities? So whether it's school and people in school, whether it's sports teams and parents of kids on sports teams. But I feel like from my own experience, my kids are only four and two, so they're still relatively young. So we're like new to this, but everybody is so focused on their kids in those activities Uh that there's no ability to have like a personal connection (laughs) during it. Yeah. Um, Well, I would say to some extent you can network with the other parents and, you know, build relationships with the other parents in those activities. Um, but uh, a lot of what I hear from my guests are to be really intentional about the where you're putting your time. So where are you going? You know, you don't have to go to every single event that's taking place, but knowing that, you know, maybe it's like I'm part of a group that meets every other Friday morning and I have to drive 45 minutes to get there super Mm. early in the morning. But I know that is a really good use of my time and I make time for it and I make, but that's the group I'm going to attend no matter what. So I think if you find your people, your network, your community, you'd you'd be um, selective on on where you're putting your time. That's awesome. 
Good questions. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to ask. <laughs> so, Corey, any final word uh, of advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Oh, man. Uh, no, I, th I think the biggest one is just around being authentic. Um, and I know that's I, I say that knowing that I still struggle to be my authentic self. And um, I think that changes over time as we evolve and grow as people. Um, but there's a great book um, that I recently read, um, which is, I think it's called Own Your Weird, but it's by Jason Zook. And I think he just does a really good job of kind of demonstrating that when you are your authentic self, as odd or weird that as that is, uh, you attract people who find you enjoyable. And those are people who are more likely to support you and to recommend you and to do business with you and all those things that you want to have from networking. Right. Uh, and so, uh, as much as it takes really fight hard to look in the mirror and figure out who you want to be and who you are and then, uh, and then share that with the world. I think that's awesome. I've met some people, Lori, who like if I said the type of personality that I like is X or Y, they would definitely not be X or Y. And yet <laughs> when I engage with them, it is so fun to engage with them because you can just sense from them that that is who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas like you have those other interactions where that person like seems really nice, but you go like that doesn't it doesn't like there's something missing there. Like that didn't seem like who that person actually was. Sure. And so, like, I, I always say there, there's one very specific person in mind who she's just way too bubbly for me. And she's so over the top. And I say, like, I would normally be so annoyed by by her. But because I have spent enough time with her that I know that's just how she is, I love that she owns her personality so strongly. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that would be my biggest thing is, is figure that out and, and, and share that with the world. Yeah, I'm going to check out that book on your weird that, that looks sounds like something that would be up my alley. <laughs> yeah, Jason, Jason is awesome. He has got some crazy business ideas that he's done in the past, um, shares them in the book. Um, yeah, re really interesting read. Quick read, too. Yeah, uh, those are my kind of reads. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Corey, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, so my Instagram is at Corey, C-O-R-Y underscore underscore Nichols. Um, or you can find me online, uh, yeslife.financial. All right. And we will include all of that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Such a fun conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. It was really a pleasure. I enjoyed this. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Corey for taking the time to connect with us. If you want some more insights from our guests and the social capital community, join our Facebook group and get involved in the conversation. We'll see you next week for another great guest as we continue the conversation on networking and building your community. If you need me, send an email at laurie at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.